the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, we continue here on a Wednesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Glad to have you along. We've been trying to keep you up to date on a lot of important issues that are out there. Isaacson uh, saying that he will not run for re-election or, in fact, will retire, resign, whatever, however you want to look at it. In, in Georgia means two Senate seats will be up next election uh, in Georgia. Then you got one in Tennessee because... Uh, Lamar Alexander's leaving. You have one out, I think, in Montana. And so when you, I think it's four or five that we're we're looking at right now. Those are all seats now that are going to be, have to be uh, defended by the Republican Party. Probably weren't looking forward to having to pick up one more. They had four, now they got five. So, uh, but they're in solid, pretty solid red states. I think that we can defend all of that. Joining us now from Washington, D.C., is uh, Congressman French Hill. And uh, Congressman, was an interesting discussion we had earlier today about Isaacson leaving uh, his seat in the Senate. But I, I want to get to some other things that are out there that are much bigger that are going on. Let's start off about China and the trade talks. Uh, the president says China called that they want to restart talks. Uh, Japan plays a part in this as well, which is really important, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But what's your take on this this whole thing with China? This just keeps escalating. It does, Dave. Uh, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. It does keep <clears throat> escalating. I think that's concerning to our farmers. I think it's concerning to our manufacturers because uh, since February – uh, when we were very close to a comprehensive change in China's trade policy, opening their market up to more American uh, farm products and manufactured goods, correcting the intellectual property, stopping the intellectual property piracy, uh, just generally improving the environment, not just for American business, but for the world. There was a 150-page document, and that's how close they were to a deal. And as you know, and President Trump announced it to the world, they were prepared to have that essential final discussion. And uh, the Chinese uh, came to the meeting and attempted to retrade uh, the deal. And that's when the president walked away, said we're going to uh, uh, um, increase the tariff levels on the existing products, and we may – expand that list. And that's where we've been basically since February or March. And now we've had this Hong Kong development where the Chinese are in a very difficult situation vis-a-vis the people of Hong Kong. And we've Mm -hmm. also announced our successful uh, step with lowering tariff barriers barriers, um, in Japan for American agriculture as well. So Um, I know the president wants to get this 
China situation wrapped up. I know he does. And I know our farmers in Arkansas and our manufacturers do. So the question is, how willing are they now to come to the table and finish this work that we've spent two years on? Well, you know, I spent about six years over in the Far East and uh, working with a lot of people on Guam, the Philippines, and South Korea, and Japan. And if there's one thing I know about the folks in Asia, saving face, they're prideful people. You've got to allow them to be able to save face. I got to believe the Chinese are just that way as well. So I agree with you, and, and I agree with you, and I've actually mentioned this before, that the president, two things. The president has attempted to be the leader on this issue and single-handedly change the Chinese position from the past 20 years, number one. And number two, he's done that in a pretty loud, uh, generally combative mode, Mm -hmm. although he's been very complimentary of President Xi, to your point, to your point. But in Asian culture and that Confucian culture, when it comes to doing tough negotiations, and I've done this too. I was a trade negotiator with our Japanese friends back in 1990. I know I remember this very well. It must be perceived as a win-win. Yes, it does. And you've heard President Trump use those words. You've heard President Trump use those words, and I know that's where he's coming from, but he's also been very uh, allowed and aggressive on this topic, too. And you combine that rhetoric with what's happened now in Hong Kong, we have a tough environment for the Chinese right now. Yeah, and with that, you know, are, do you think that they would like to see us come? Would they they like to see a trade agreement because it might make things a little bit better for them when you look at what's going on over there in Hong Kong? Well, number one, I think a trade agreement with the largest economy in the world, the United States, where they have a large integrated situation, is preferable to China. I don't think China fully acknowledges their uh, malfeasance. I think they're very self-centered in their uh, middle kingdom position. Uh, But I do think they want a trade deal with the United States. I think they want the acceptance of it. I think they want uh, the benefits of it, number one. Number two... Um, in Hong Kong, I think they are very concerned that it's gotten violent. And, I mean, I'm not an expert in this area, but I recently spoke with two people who live in Hong Kong who are experts and have been involved in this process for 30 years. And any violence in Hong Kong on the part of protesters or the young people is an invitation to China to repeat uh, Tenement Square yep. from May 1989. And you, if you maintain a firm negotiating point and have a peaceful protest, but you don't break into a legislative council meeting, uh, then you have the upper hand. Uh, but violence is, uh, in my view, is a mistake in Hong Kong on the part of the protesters and will not help us achieve what we're trying to do which is preserve freedom, democracy, and opportunity in Hong Kong uh, for their 50-year deal they have with China and have the U.S. and the free world 
benefit by a better China trading regime. Well, things have have calmed down some. Are cooler heads prevailing in in your mind? Well, in the men that I spoke with, I was concerned because these are people I trust. Uh, It's a leader of the democracy movement in Hong Kong since the 1980s and a uh, very senior uh, religious person there. Both told me they had counseled the young leaders in the protest movement. Do not give this violence as an excuse and don't broaden the agenda beyond something that's attainable. And both my uh, friends who made these comments are concerned. They are concerned that um, um, violence is being used and that an unachievable agenda is being proposed. I thought President Trump had it right uh, when he spoke up last week. I wish he'd done it three weeks ago, but he spoke up last week. And he said, I hope President Xi will meet with these protesters in Hong Kong and will listen to their concerns I bet they can work out, you know, an amicable solution in typical sort of Donald Trump form. Right. Um, but I think he had it right. I do think he had it right. All right. So how much did uh, getting the tentative trade deal with Japan help us, especially from what I understood from reading the information that came down uh, about it, is that Japan will buy up a majority of the corn that the Chinese we're going to kind of leave in the fields of America. Did I read that correctly? Uh, You did as a general statement and something equally important to the corn market and to American agricultural generally is they've agreed to lower tariffs uh, on beef and, and protein down to at least the Australian and New Zealand level. I don't know. I don't have the information to know that America might get even a slight advantage over that. Uh, But I do know how important that is to our beef, pork and poultry producers in the United States. And therefore, you get uh, two impacts on corn as a commodity, in my view. One, they uh, propose to buy corn uh, stocks and two, by uh, buying more of our giving more of our markets for our beef, poultry, and pork producers, you're in, of course, also supporting the, the feed market, which is principally a corn market. Yeah. How does that play then against China? China, I'm sure, thinks they, they kind of given us a little arm bar there, and suddenly Japan says, uh, yeah, I think we can come to an agreement with the United States and we're going we're gonna to take away this uh, problem with corn. France stepped up to the plate, took away some of their uh, push on soybeans. Uh, puts them in a tougher position to bargain, does it not? It does, and it's an example of what you and I have talked about for months, which is I do believe the president from the very beginning of opening up uh, the press to – make China change its 25-year modus operandi on trade, that we are stronger when we have allies to help push that negotiation and get that change in China. These are both good examples of that. And all I've argued is that I think we would have been in that position had we started there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I appreciate Prime Minister Abe consistently backing the U.S. position on trade with China, 
national security issues in the South China Sea. He's been a great ally. He, he truly has. There's no doubt about that. With all that talked about, let's. Uh, what's your takeaways on the G7 summit? You know, I was disappointed. I thought it was bizarre. Can I say that? I mean, yeah. I, I really uh, you just I did. thought it was very <laughs> odd. I don't understand what the uh, mission was there. Let me give you two examples. It was unclear to me from just reading the press coverage. I've had no additional briefings on it. But, but reading the international press coverage of it, what was the purpose of Sharif uh, from Iran being there? Who knew about that? It, it seemed to skew the press coverage of the meeting and change the dynamic in the meeting, which I don't think is fair uh, to the G7 participants. I thought that was very strange. And then secondly, uh, this issue of the tragedy of the forest fires down in Brazil, Right. it seemed that that became the most important issue of the meeting. And uh, I thought that was strange for two reasons. One, this is the G7. It's an economic summit. It's talking about how we improve the global economy in the largest industrialized countries. And this seemed like a very peripheral topic to talk about forest fires in Brazil, not that they aren't important. It's just that it seemed to be out of the blue, and it didn't appear to be uh, prepared because – the conversation was disjointed. They agreed to $22 million in support, and then it was rejected by Brazil, with the Brazilian president saying that he was insulted by the French president. And to drag the U.S. and the G7 into all that controversy seemed to me to be pretty amateurish, was the way I would describe uh, the G7 meeting. You know, I agree with you on that. And then, of course, uh, the whole thing about Putin came up as well. Should they be allowed to come to the next G7 meeting? So, yeah, not much got done. I would agree Actually, with your comment. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think the, the issue of the invitation to uh, Putin of Russia is relevant because he we had at one time a period where we had a G8 with Russia participating as a way to keep the uh, person in the tent instead of out of the tent. That's right. Uh, but he was he was kicked out of that effort after his invasion of Crimea and his actions in the Ukraine, not to mention Syria. And President Trump was simply bringing up the point, which is a legitimate point. How do we engage Russia on resolving the Ukraine or in Syria if we don't engage Russia? Uh, I think you can engage Russia without inviting them to a G7 meeting. But I thought that's actually a relevant topic for uh, the G7 because it's they have been a member. And the question was, do we want to keep them out or invite them? And so that, that to me, was at least a relevant topic for the group. Yeah, and how can you say you can't talk about Russia if you're going to bring Iran in? That's crazy. Right. And I, I just, no, I just, and I'm, like I said, I don't have the information I wish I had about that, but it struck me as strange and amateurish. And I'm still not clear on what the purpose of that was. And it backfired. Whatever the intent was by France's President Macron, I think it backfired. All right. We always want to, uh, talk to you about what's happening locally. I understand there was a disabled veteran here in Little Rock that got some back pay. I'll let you talk about that, and then we'll wrap it up today. Go right ahead. Well, this is something that our office works very hard on to 
uh, make sure that we help our vets and fight for them at the Veterans Affairs Department. And this was just another instance where uh, a worthy candidate had pleaded for change and our office helped make it happen. And I always say to you, if there's anybody who has a veteran contact or knows a veteran who we can be helpful to in working with the VA, I hope they'll reach out to us at hill.house.gov because we love uh, doing the work to intervene on behalf of our vets. All right, that's going to wrap up our time with uh, Congressman French Hill. He's from District 2 here in uh, Little Rock. That's in our broadcast area. He joins us every Wednesday, and we really appreciate it. Some great information today about China, Japan, the G7 Summit, and this uh, disabled veteran getting the deserved back pay that he had coming. Congressman, thanks so much. I'll talk to you next week. All the best. All right. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye now. All right. President... From the congressman. Let's take a break and we'll come back, wrap it up here on the Dave Ellswick show for this hour, not for the show. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.